Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Zone Blitz. I am Vince Miller, joined by my co-host, Ashton Overholt, as always. And this is the college football podcast we believe you will relate to the most. Today, we're going to talk about the Pac-12 and our and the win totals for this upcoming season. We'll get right into it. Um, we looked for numbers, lines, I should say, that ended in .5 as much as possible so we could get an over or an under um, so they won't push. There were a few teams that we could not find a line that ended in .5. Oregon, our first team, is one of them. Their line is nine everywhere you look. Nine wins. 2021, what will this season look like? Anthony Brown, the quarterback from Boston College, is the likely quarterback, but you also have to look out for the true freshman, Ty Thompson, very talented player. Lots of talent on this team. C.J. Burdell, Travis Dye, good, good duo at running back. Their top three receivers are back, and Micah Pittman is a candidate to break out. Really like this team. Ashton, your initial thoughts on Oregon. Um, as far as the number at nine, this is an easy over. I think for me, this feels like a no-brainer. Um, the I just I, you don't you look at their schedule, you just don't really see many losses um, on their schedule. The the tough game, their their toughest game of the year will be the the game, um, the Ohio State game, uh, week two. Um, so that's going to really probably be their toughest game. Other than that, don't really see any just true games that you think that they're not going to be favored by at least a touchdown. Um, possible yeah I mean there's a there's there's always some possibility towards the end towards the end of the year that someone sneaks up and gets him maybe like a Washington um Oregon State actually snuck up and got <laughs> snuck up and got him last year just finished watching the highlights of that game but no I to me Oregon I think is 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 the class of of the of the uh, of the Pac-12 we mentioned the quarterback battle between maybe the newcomer Ty Thompson he's highly rated um extremely talented kid probably be Anthony Brown though that looks like who is kind of the the clubhouse leader right now in the in the Oregon um in their summer camp so um it looks like it is love Mario Cristobal I think you do as well um we're big fans of what he's done out there they're going to dominate in the lines of scrimmage in the Pac-12 games um they're going to blow everyone else off the ball um and they're they should be able to stop the run they have an extremely good uh defensive end there in Kayvon Thibodeau who's going to be probably a top three draft pick um come next April so um, yeah, at nine, that feels like all they have to win is is nine games to push. I think they'll win 10 easily. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on the over. And we've talked about what they've done on the lines, really improving the trench play there. It also feels like they're finally starting to figure out some of the some of like the positions they're known for. Wide receiver, I mentioned the talent there. They also have a couple really highly rated freshmen coming in, Troy Franklin and Dante Thornton. Most of their offensive line returns. Um, so there's just a lot for Joe Moorhead to work with here. And you, I wonder a little bit what last year – it's hard to take a lot from last year because of COVID due, or due to COVID for, for the entire country. But I think probably especially for the Pac-12, they were the last conference to actually play, probably practice the least of any conference. Um, obviously, there's, it's just a little different climate out west than the rest of the country politically. Um, but, yeah, lots of talent out on the edges now. You mentioned Kayvon Thibodeau, maybe the best defensive end in college football. Also, their linebackers. They have got some really good, talented linebackers. Noah Sewell, Isaac Slade Matotia. 
I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that. In Mesfuna, I, I apologize for any uh, any of those mispronunciations. I hope I mispronounced them correctly. Um, and then Justin Flo, of course. So some very talented linebackers, some good corners as well. Mikhail Wright is good. And Dante Manning, the former five-star, I believe, has potential to be an absolute stud. Last year, they lost to Oregon State, Cal, and Iowa State. It feels like they didn't really live up to their potential last year. This year could be different. I'm on the over. The recruiting has been really impressive. And I think now is the time when they actually start turning it into wins. You mentioned Ohio State. Do you give them a chance in that game? I think it'll be a great game. I really do. Both of them will be breaking in kind of new quarterbacks. Um, so that and that'll be week two, like we said. So they're both going to be bringing in, yeah, kind of a, a new quarterback and, and maybe a new system um, to to some extent. Now, I think, and you touched on it, the, the linebackers that that Oregon has. I, Oregon has a better defense. I'm going to go ahead and say that Oregon has the better defense between the two. Ohio State, you give the edge on offense, but not by as much as you would have maybe a year ago. Um, Michael Pittman's little brother, Micah, um, we've, we've already talked about him possibility. He ton of talent right there. He could really break out, um, and kind of, kind of become kind of what his brother was. He's a smaller version, more of a slot guy than, um, instead of the big six, four, but it kind of, kind of, yeah, kind of a, a smaller slot receiver that that's what Oregon loves. They've always loved that type of receiver there, um, in Eugene. So I think that that'll be a great game. I mean, it's going to be the game of week two would be a primetime game, um, They'll have a chance, a coin flip game for me right now. I wouldn't wouldn't be putting any money, any money either way. Yeah, I I do think they have a chance. I think I would definitely choose Ohio State to win that game if I had to make a pick. Um, but yeah, Oregon, very good team. I, I really like their team. Should we should probably mention they did lose their defensive coordinator Andy Avalos to Boise State. Um, he's their new head coach, and they replaced him with Tim DeRuiter, who I think is is a pretty good coach. So. We'll see if that works out. I don't think that's a huge question mark. The talent there on defense is just too high for them to have a bad defense. So very good team. We're both in the over on Oregon. Next, we have Arizona State, which is there's a clear second tier, I would say, in the Pac-12. We have four teams here with a win total of 8.5. Um, Jane Daniels is a really good quarterback, maybe the best in the conference. It's it's close. He's in the top tier of quarterbacks in the conference has been very impressive. Almost all of their rushing and receiving production returns, most of their offensive line is back. Lots of talent all over the defense. I wouldn't say there's any like just major standouts on defense, but they're just solid everywhere. A bunch of like all conference type of guys. Last year, they led the Pac-12 in both scoring offense and defense. Of course, it was in only four games and it didn't, one fourth of those was the Arizona game, which they won 70 to seven. The biggest question mark, of course, is the off-field scandal going on with Arizona State right now. Definitely in trouble for some violations. Easy non-conference schedule. My brain says an easy over with the caveat that the off-field stuff could change all that. Do you think that stuff comes into play? Or or am I overthinking even just the team? Like, like is this actually not, not an 8.5 win team? For me, it's not. I'm, I'm going to go under on 8.5. I think the reason is the, the last couple of games of really the last half, their, their schedule is very much backloaded. You mentioned their non-con is very easy. It's kind of a cakewalk, really, for the first really six, seven weeks. 
it, there's there's not a whole lot there. Um, they go they they do um, a three uh, well sorry a four game stretch against Utah, Washington State, USC, and then Washington. So the yeah I I think they lose probably three of those four. I think they'll probably beat Washington State, but. I, I really like Utah. I really like USC this year. And I really like Washington this year. So I, I don't think they're a bad team. I, they, they do have talent. Jaden Daniels is a stud. We've, he's been a stud for a couple of years now, but I, I really don't feel that, that they're going to just be able to just walk over the rest of the, like the Pac-12. They're not going to, they're not, they don't have the, the trench depth maybe that Oregon has. And that's kind of who we're kind of comparing them to. Cause we think Arizona state could possibly be a, at eight and a half, they're a Pac-12, a, a South Pac-12 South favorite um and for me they're they're not as talented as a usc as maybe a, a utah um i would give both of them the advantage maybe even on on the coaching staff and you mentioned we, we'll kind of stay away from from the allegations nothing's really been proven there um the ncaa ncaa which currently has almost zero power is is not going to be interfering a whole lot so i but it yeah no it does feel that something's a little bit fishy there eight and a half is, is a little much for me. I don't, I think eight wins is far more likely eight and four is far more likely than nine and three. I'm going under. All right. I, I'm also with you as far as thinking that the, the NCAA is probably not going to have a big, big effect on this season with them, just with everything going on with them. I, I don't think this is the time for them to drop the hammer um, regardless of what happens here. I, I imagine this, that, that will take a while. So I'm slightly on the over. Don't love it. Um, I went back and forth in this one, ended up on the over. I just think that when you have that good of a quarterback and then just most of the rest of their team is very solid. So I do I do think they will go nine and three. Next, we have USC. Um, and this is an interesting team to me because there's talent like, like no one else in the conference except maybe Oregon with – just I don't know. Like this is USC has kind of been the same now for five years. They've they've under Chip. Uh, I'm sorry, the coach's name escapes me. Help me out. Clay Helton. Clay Helton. I'm sorry. Um, so solid team. It's not like he's done a terrible job. He also hasn't probably done the job that you should do at USC. Keaton Slovis is back at quarterback, a probable first rounder, good quarterback. Um, they also have a freshman, Jackson Dart, who's impressing early. I, I've heard some good things about him coming from camp. Probably doesn't have a chance to play much this year with Slovis, but it just goes to show, like, USC never seems to be struggling for talent at quarterback or receiver. Their running game was pretty bad last year, um, but they did get Ke Keontae Ingram, the transfer from Texas. So maybe that helps. Maybe it doesn't make a whole lot of difference. It doesn't seem like the running game is really what is their bread and butter anyway. Drake London is an absolute beast at receiver. Um, so then the, the rest of the receiver room is just filled with talent. Brew McCoy is very talented, but is suspended right now. I don't know how long that will last. And then they have some transfers as well, as if they don't already recruit great receivers. Jake Smith from Texas, Katie Nixon from Colorado, Taj Washington, all good receivers who could contribute. And they also have Gary Bryant Jr. and Kyle Ford. The problem with the offense, I would say, has been the offensive line. It's been very subpar, needs to improve. That's really where they need to, yeah, just figure, figure it out because that's where teams like Oregon have really done well in doing well in the trenches, and that's just that's where USC has, has fallen behind, it feels like, under Clay Helton. The defense, 
kind of the same story. A lot of talent. Drake Jackson is an awesome defensive end. Corey Foreman, the number one recruit in the country, also a pass rusher. Lots of talent in the back seven, but not a lot of proven guys. It just feels like this is a team that is not known anymore for, for toughness and, and just being solid all around in the trenches. But if you have that level of talent, there's always a chance that they could turn into something much more impressive. Not a very tough schedule this year. You think they are, they're all, do you have them going over this year? I do. I do. I, I think Helton has, has been on the hot seat for years. It seems like, I mean, he's been on the hot seat really since he pretty much got hired there. Um, he's got a, a, a bona fide quarterback and there's not many schools in the PAC 12 that can say that right now. They've got a really, really good quarterback there and they're, and they're obviously talented. There's always talent at USC. There's always going to be NFL players walking around that locker room. There just always will be um, just kind of the nature of the beast there in, in, in LA. So I, I like them. I, I, I think they'll, I think they'll win nine games. I think they may win 10 their schedule. When you, when you look at their schedule, they have a, a fairly easy non-con, not too tough with the exception of Notre Dame. Um, they do have to play BYU. BYU is not going to be what they were last year. BYU is going to have, have taken a step back. So that's not going to be nearly as tough of a game. They actually um, lost to BYU last year in Provo. That, that won't happen this time around, but they, yeah, I, you just, you, I don't see where their losses come from. I don't see them losing four games out, out of this. Um, they, they, they miss Oregon in, in the, in the regular season. I think they will play Oregon because I think they're going to win the PAC 12 South and play Oregon in, in the, um, in the Pac-12 championship, that would, that, that would be my pick to, to represent the South out of that. But I think they probably will lose to Notre Dame. That's probably going to be um, – I'd say that's, that's going to be a loss. I think Notre Dame will do pretty good this year. But having, having Slovis against, against a, a, a conference where there's not much decided as far as quarterback is a huge advantage for, um, for Helton. Um, I, think, I think that will really be the, kind of the catalyst to what gets them um, to 9-3, and three, may, maybe even 10-2. and two. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm on the over here as well. Really like their team. Like, it scares me a little bit how much I like them. I think I, I mentioned the same thing a week ago with Texas. Like, these are teams that historically in recent seasons, I don't know if that makes sense, historically in the last decade or so, have consistently underperformed. But it just feels different somehow this year, and, and I like their team. I'm As a Notre Dame fan, I'm scared of USC. Um I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure I would pick USC to beat Notre Dame, but it's it looks like a toss up to me. And and because of that, I mean, I, there's a chance they could be 12 and 0 going into the Pac-12 championship game. So I'm definitely on the over. Too much talent there. Think this is a very solid team. I do think Clay Helton will retain his job at USC. Any more thoughts on them? Not really. It's for me as far as as far as betting. This feels like a slam dunk. Um, I. I'd feel very confident that they're going to, to win nine, if not 10 games, maybe more. Um, the, the, they're going to be far more talented than anyone else, maybe even more talented than Oregon. They have just, you can just look at their roster and there's their studs all over it. So as long as they can, yeah, just stay focused. We've seen USC in kind of in recent years and kind of alluded to it, have just some kind of some, some just some, some stinkers for lack of a better word, just a few games where they just don't show up really. They don't really get off the bus and they lose to someone that they really have no business losing to. Um, maybe last year at BYU, you could maybe point to that game um, as well, even though BYU was fairly decent last year, but USC was more talented. There's no, there's no question. USC. Um, yeah. I like, I don't, I don't, they're not going to win the PAC 12 for me. I think they'll, they'll, but I, 
New Year's Six Bowl, very much in the question. Yeah, and I will say it does feel like the recruiting is kind of a big, it's a big deal based, like I, this year is very big, I think, for that. Um, right now in the class of 22, the top two receivers in the state of, Col of California just recently committed to Notre Dame and Oregon. Um, and it feels like that's been happening a lot. Um, so I think if, if USC can, can find a way to win 11 games this year, like that might turn around, like they, they could become a, a top five recruiting power again, like, like they were not that long ago. And I feel like we've kind of forgotten about that. Like USC is absolutely the dominant, um, name on the West coast. And if they, if they return to being a top 10 type of team, like I think the recruiting is going to explode for them. All right, next we have our another um, South team that's at 8.5, and that's Utah. Interesting team, Charlie Brewer, the transfer from Baylor, is probably the guy at quarterback, but they, they have like three other options as well, so it's definitely a quarterback battle there. Their running back, Micah Bernard, returns, um, as well as um, their tight end, who is one of the best in the conference, if not the country, Brant. Cuth, I don't know how to pronounce that last name. I apologize, but I do know he's good. And that's that's what I know about him. They also have the transfer TJ Pledger from Oklahoma. Um, pretty good player, big name um, as a recruit. Britton Covey is their top receiver. Their entire offensive line is back. And Utah is known for what they do in the trenches anyway. So that sounds like a pretty good, pretty good thing to build on for this team. Their linebackers are awesome, led by Devin Lloyd. Very good player. Their defense was good last year and returned most of their starters. Pretty easy non-conference schedule. I like this team. I don't love it. Do you, do you go so far as to say you love it, or do you think that maybe this 8.5 is about right for them? I think it's a pretty good line. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go over. I, I, they don't really have too many tough games. They, their crossover game is against Oregon, so they do, they do play the, the toughest team. Um, in the regular season, and 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 that'll probably be a loss from whereas as you know USC misses them in the regular season. So, um, no, but love we love Whittingham. Um, and Brewer going there, mixed feelings. I think kind of on that. Not really sure. They never win because of their quarterback play. Anyway, I mean we kind of alluded to that. They play fundamental sound football, and and they kind of beat you with boring a little bit. Um, and they they do have some athletes on the edge, especially on defense. They've they usually have a, a pretty good secondary, pretty good um, like a linebacking core. They're usually solid. You can usually just say that about them is they're solid. Um, I think the the, the Pac-12 is deep this year. Um, I think it's really deep this year. We've we've we mentioned that there's four teams that have an eight eight and a half over under. So they, they I think five the, the AP poll just came out I need to double check this just to make sure but I believe five teams were in the um the preseason um AP top 25 so which is tied with the SEC um if I'm not wrong so it's it is yes they're deep Utah I, I think they're a step behind USC for kind of for some of the reasons that we just gave about USC um they, they're not they're not solidified at quarterback yet um we they possibly could be. We're not sure yet, but I, I do trust Whittingham enough to get them to nine and three. Um, I think they they will get there. They're they're going to be a step behind for me in class to USC though. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't view them as a top two or three team in the conference, but it's just it's you know they're the, they're the Wisconsin of the Pac-12. Like they're just a 
They're not going to beat themselves. They're going to be good in the trenches. They're going to play good defense. And hopefully, like Charlie Brewer or whoever the quarterback is, can just steer the ship. And I think they can probably get to nine wins. So I'm on the over as well. Not super confident in it, but yeah. I, and you were talking about the Pac-12 as a whole. It, it's actually it looks like it looks like a pretty decent conference this year. It was it when I was just doing research, I I was more impressed than I expected I would be. Um, obviously, a weird year for them last year with COVID and everything, but this might be a year where the Pac-12 is a little bit sneakily better than we expect. Next, after Utah, we have the last 8.5 team. That's Washington. The quarterback, Dylan Morris, is back, but there's lots of rumblings about the five-star freshman, Sam Heward, um, of Heward fame. Um, very talented player. Either way, I think they'll probably get pretty decent quarterback play this year. Lots of talent at, at receiver, running back. Good, A good, solid team. Again, not at the USC and Oregon talent level, but in that next tier. They did lose their defense coordinator, Pete Kwiatkowski, to Texas, um, which is a pretty big loss. But they do have eight of their defensive defensive starters back from a year ago. It's a really good front seven. Um, one of the best, I would say, in the conference, if not the country. Unproven talent in the secondary. Um, Washington is known for what they do at cornerback, especially. So I don't expect that to be a huge issue. Um, it's just a little unproven right now. But but I would say that it'll probably turn out okay based on their track record. Um, recruiting, I would say, has been a slight disappointment under Jimmy Lake so far, but don't underestimate the fact that he had to replace an awesome head coach in Chris Peterson, who I would say was a top five coach in the country. Um, so when you have to live up to that as Jimmy Lake, that's, that's tough. And most guys don't want to follow the guy. He's following the guy, and I don't think he's doing a bad job. This Washington team does play Michigan in their non-conference, big game. Um, and it does feel like both of those schools, they're, almost their entire season could kind of hinge on that. Do you agree with that? Do you like this Washington team? I do like them. I, I think I think Michigan's season hinges far more on that game than Washington's season does. I think the Michigan team's going to be desperate. This is, I think, and, and we've discussed this before in our Big Ten pod, but like for, for me – Michigan I'm high on Michigan this year and I think a lot of the reason is just because of pure desperation alone um Harbaugh although he did get an extension um and much to people's chagrin in Michigan he got an extension probably did not deserve it I still think he's on thin ice there I really do I think Harbaugh is is going to have to they're going to come out firing in that game that's make or break for Michigan I okay so I do like Jimmy Lake and, and, and I think this speaks maybe to some of the depth that we talked about, some of just the Pac-12 depth um, in general. But they have, I mean, they've got a, a fairly tough schedule. Um, I mean, there's not just a whole lot of, um, of just easy games. They're, they are in the north, so they do miss. They, well, okay, so they do miss Utah and they do miss USC in the, in the regular season. But they still, they still do have fairly tough games. I think the Oregon State game, is going to be fairly difficult for them actually have mm -hmm. Oregon State beating Washington in that game, kind of a, my, my upset pick, I guess. Um, I waffled on this one a lot. I feel the line is is very good. I'm going to go under, I'm going to go eight and four just slightly. I think Michigan beats them, Oregon State, um, Oregon will beat them. And then I think they, they do get they do get knocked off by one more team um, somewhere in there, kind of, a, kind of an upset pick. Have them finishing at eight and four. Not an in. I don't think. I don't think that makes makes them bad. I think that this is a this is a really deep year, um, and 
yeah, I think I think they're they're going to be fine. I think at some point Heward will be the starter, kind of he kind of the five star guy, the freshman. I don't think he'll start right off the bat, but I think probably towards the towards the end of this this year, he's the future. He's probably who they're going to be going with. Um, so just want to see maybe a little bit more development. We talked to recruiting about recruiting, or you did, and to that point, Washington has has generally re- recruited well, um, like for Washington anyway, um, with with Chris Peterson. They they do they get they get five-star guys in there fairly regularly they're always in the they're going to be in the top 30 um and 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 that's that's good i mean that's that you're getting really talented kids um if you're recruiting consistently in the top 30 like they were so yeah i, I waffle back i'm still waffling back and forth i'm going to go under i'll go eight and four um if i have to put money on i think the lines they nailed this line yeah i would agree with that as far as just it's a really good line and I think probably our difference on this is just our difference of opinion on Michigan as well. I'm slightly on the over. I think they'll probably win that game. Again, not confident in that at all. Um, so I'm guessing that's probably a, about where the difference lies for us. Um, and you'll notice now I have picked the over on all five teams at the top of the Pac-12. I don't expect that to actually happen, but I liked the over slightly more than the under on all five. And so I, I do think I'm going to get at least three of these right, um, which would be a three and two record. So I'd take that. Um, so slightly on the over as well with Washington. Like the team a lot. I don't know that I see them ever getting back to, or I shouldn't say ever, but in the near future, I don't think I see them getting back to quite the the peaks under Chris Peterson. They did make a playoff after all. Um, and now maybe we'll see that when the playoff inevi- inevitably expands. Um, but yeah, I like this team. Don't love it. We mentioned the, the pack 12 having some pretty good teams at the top. I do like all, all five of these teams at the top, but then it seems like it goes down a bit. Um, there's pretty big, pretty big drop off. I would say to the next tier in my opinion. So next we have UCLA. Their line is set at seven wins. Chip Kelly, of course, the quarterback there, head coach, I'm sorry. And his quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson, has has been his quarterback pretty much the entire time he's been there. He's back again. Last year, 65% um, completion percentage, eight yards per attempt, 12 touchdowns, four picks. So, like, good numbers. And it feels like there's a lot of talent in that young man. I want to see if he can take one more step because it it feels like that – that might be the deciding factor on this UCLA team, if they can actually go over here or if, or if this line is just too big for them. Their entire offensive line is back pretty good, but unproven skill position talent. The defense is very average. Um, but now I would say his time is the time where Chip Kelly has to start getting results. He's 10 and 21 as their head coach. And I was a little blown away when I saw that, by the way. It just feels like it's been slightly better than that. And yet there it is, 10 and 21. What can he do now in year four? Uh, who? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's the I, – I just want to prep. I really like Chip Kelly as, as a college football coach. Uh, what he did at Oregon, I think, changed college football. Um, and I think we're still feeling – kind of feeling the aftershocks of that. That said, this hasn't worked out um, at UCLA. And um, not sure how much blame to put on, on him. Um, okay. So we'll just, they're at seven, right? Seven. They're at seven, right? For this year, it's a round number They're They, they play LSU week one. 
They start out LSU. They play Oregon, Washington, Utah, and USC. We're, we're, that's, that's five losses. That puts them at seven and five. Can they sneak one of those games out and go to – I guess you're not going to let me push, are you? I mean, you're not going to let no, me push. No, you got to choose over under, and it might push on you. <laughs> oh, um, I just I, – I don't see it. Maybe surprising Utah. Maybe. I don't, I don't see it. I'm, I'm going to go under. I just – they feel so much more like a six and six team than, than eight and four. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to go under the, the, the defense, the defense under Chip Kelly is always going to be average. That's not a surprise. That's, that's what that's going to be. It's not going to be good. Um, Dorian Thompson Robinson is, he was, he was, he, so he started since he was a freshman, right? He was a highly recruited kid for freshman. He still is. He's very talented, extremely talented kid. It hasn't, it hasn't clicked there. Like I, I thought that was a match made in heaven. I really did. I thought that this here is going to be a partnership and we're going to watch these two go on and, and set records at UCLA. I actually thought that when he got hired. Um, it hasn't worked. So I've been burned already. I've, been, I've jumped on the Chip Kelly uh, wagon a bunch of times. Um, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning from my experiences. I'm going to go under. Yeah, I'm definitely on the under on this one. I didn't have to think very long about it. Just, And you mentioned LSU. Um, if you're trying to make a bowl game, man, I don't love the scheduling. And and it's not just that. If you look at the rest of their non-con, they also play Fresno State, who's like a sneaky, decent team. And even Hawaii, which, you know, they're better than Hawaii. They should beat them. But it's not like just an absolute cupcake. And so don't love the scheduling. And when I look at their schedule, Arizona is the only conference game that I feel like is an absolute win for them. The rest are you know, they might have a slight edge in some of them. They probably do. Definitely don't like this line for them easily on the under for UCLA. To me, this is he needs to win six um, to keep his job, um, and I'm not even positive that they'll do that. Do you you think they'll make you'll they'll at least go six and six? The Fresno Fresno State's underrated. Um, Fresno State's good. Fresno State has ball players on their team. Um, I'm I'm not sure they're going to be right in that area. I, yeah, they're going to be right in there. I, I probably lean to even under that, maybe even five. I think I think the game at Cal. I think that one could be interesting. Um, hmm. Arizona State, like, yeah, I mean that's not even including Arizona State. So, no, yeah, it, it could go wrong there. I you hate to you hate to say that that he has to, yeah, that, that this will probably be his last year there. In my opinion, I would be putting money on him not coaching at UCLA after this year. And, and I don't, just to be clear, I don't want to blame him completely. Like, I think some of that in some ways was the program. In some ways it was kind of the, the circumstances that he came into. I'm, I think I, yeah, I'm just to put it, it had he been coaching at say a, a TCU or a Texas, I think Chip Kelly would do well in, in a, in a, say a school like Texas. I think, I think that would have worked out. I really do. Um, he's used to having more talent than, than the people that he was around. That's how he was in Oregon. UCLA is not like that anymore. He is the, the guy 30 minutes away from him or 10 minutes away from him in USC has far more talent than he does. And, and I think, yeah, it's, it's neutralized him out a bit. So 
And part of it is, is other play callers just catching up. He, his whole thing was that he was different and he was fast and it was, it was so, it was so warp speed. No one could, no one could handle it. Everyone does that now. That's, that's, it's, it's kind of almost come and gone to where people are almost slowing down even a little bit more now, instead of, so instead of just the, the warp speed that we saw for a couple of years, there were no one, could, no one could stop it. Um, yeah, I, he'll probably be looking for another job. Be interesting to see where he could, you know, possible landing spots, not to get way too out in front of us or anything. I guess we are looking, calling for his job right here, but um, yeah, I, he, there's still some success left there. I think he hasn't used all of it there. He hasn't, he still has some left in the tank is what I'm trying to say. And I think, uh, yeah, if, if it doesn't work out this year, um, be interesting to see where he would go. Yeah. You mentioned some recruiting a while up somewhere along there. And, and I do feel like, yeah, well, it's true that they do not have the talent that those teams around them do. I don't know if it should be that way at UCLA. If you, if you follow the blue chip ratio, but Elliot, um, his kind of his thing where basically the theory is you have, you have to, you have to have a baseline level of talent to win the national championship. And that level of talent is half of your roster or more has to be blue chip recruits, four or five star recruits. When he started tracking this, UCLA was actually one of the blue chip ratio teams, which means they had top 15 talent in the country. And what you would think with USC being down for a while, you would think UCLA would be in a perfect position to capitalize on that and would have some better recruiting classes. Teams like Oregon, Notre Dame, Alabama have gone into California and, and poached all of these recruits that USC would normally get. I think that UCLA could possibly be doing a better job with that. And, and to that point, I think that's happening maybe not with just UCLA, but kind of the Pac-12 in general. I think the last maybe six, seven, eight, even 10 years, Really, since the SEC, since recruiting kind of became national, um, I think you're seeing a lot of, well, you mentioned Notre Dame going into to Notre Dame recruits the West Coast pretty hard. You're seeing schools, um, Alabama does, Clemson does, um, DJ Younger, I right. got that one right. I think I got that one right. California kid, Bryce Young at Alabama, California kid. They're not, they're not at, um, yeah, USC or Oregon or or um, UCLA, Stanford. They used to go to Stanford too. Stanford's another school. Really, the recruiting has dropped off, I think, majorly. Stanford used to recruit in the top 10 um, fairly regularly. And you were seeing that under towards the end of Harbaugh and the beginning of David Shaw. Um, you saw they were pulling in five stars, um, especially offensive linemen there, and they're not doing it anymore. And I, I, yeah, I wonder, I wonder why that is. Do you have an opinion on, on how that, that came to happen? I think a lot of it is effort. Chip Kelly, I feel like, has always been more of an X's and O's guy. And when he was at Oregon, they had good second-tier talent. And you mentioned that he, he was different. He was, he was unique, and he had that, the system. And I do feel like when he had that second tier of talent in the country, he was able to, because of his incredible offensive system, which was new and, and flashy and unique at the time, he was able to turn Oregon from a second-tier program more into a first-tier program, competing for two national titles. The one was right after he left, but that was still his team, essentially. Um, and, and yeah, I, I just don't know that his forte is effort on the recruiting trail. And it started before he got there, so it's not just on him. Um, I do wonder if, if maybe – uh, I, I hesitate to say even like a guy like Matt Campbell, he probably wouldn't go there. 
But if they can get somebody that would put some effort in on the recruiting trail, I do think it could they, – they have a, a higher ceiling, I think, than most of us even realize just based on location. Um, if Iowa State would be located in in Los Angeles, um, I have no doubt that they would be a, a top 10 program easily under Matt Campbell. Um, but, yeah, that's UCLA. So we're both in the under for them this year. Next we have Cal. Weird year last year, um, only four games. Their only win was versus Oregon somehow. Chase Garbers had a lot of um, hype going into last season. Uh, pretty good quarterback. He's very solid. Uh, I wouldn't say he's great. Probably was a little bit overrated coming into last season. They returned most of their offensive starters. They have a decent receiving core. Under Justin Wilcox, it seems like the defense has really been the thing that has led them, and it's been very good under him. I would say it it could – you could say that they maybe took a step back last year. Again, last year, of any school – of any conference in the country, the Pac-12 is probably the one you can learn the, the least about from, from a, a COVID year like that. And of all the Pac-12 schools, Cal might be the one you can you can learn the least about. So – I don't know what to think about their team necessarily. They have some good linebackers, Cameron Good, Kuoni Dang, and then the defensive back, Elijah Hicks, um, who they beat some good schools, including Notre Dame for. They have a good a good team. Nevada and TCU in the non-con, which, you know, none of those are incredible, but but for Cal, like, those are, those are sneaky tough games. So interesting line here, 6.5. What do you think? I think it's a really good line. Um, they, you mentioned the non-con. That's kind of where I started and left with this. They start off with Nevada, then TCU. Um, for me, those are losses. Um, I'm high on TCU this year. I think you are as well. I Nevada's good. Nevada's actually a really good ball team. Um, and and to your point about about Garbers, so maybe it does feel like he took a step back last year. We were kind of he was the guy that was going to break out last year, and we we never really got to see it and. I think a lot of it, especially in the Pac-12, is COVID-related. Some of these teams that we're mentioning have only played four or five games. Um, there were so many cancellations last year in the Pac-12, so it's hard to know really what you're getting into. Um, Wilcox, with, with what we said with, with him, I don't know. I Because I do like him. I, I, like, I kind of I like what's there. I'm on the under this year at six and a half. I think a lot of it is because of the non-con. Because – we mentioned Nevada TCU. I think those are losses. Um, then, yeah, they do have to play. They play um, USC, they um, Oregon, so in Washington as well. So there is, yeah. I for me, those are all almost a certain losses. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go under. I think six and six probably more likely than than, than seven and five. Um, but I don't want that to define. I don't think they're on a downward trajectory though like that kind of makes it feel like they're on a downward trajectory if they go under I don't feel that that's the case um I think it's Cal and I think I think they're overall doing a good job um their schedule's just a little bit difficult this year yeah you basically summed it up exactly the way I would have said it I, I like this team just as far as the program and where I think Justin Wilcox might be able to take them I am also on the under this year I six and a half just feels slightly high and I do feel like the top five in the conference are all a clear step or two above this team. So any of those games that they play against them are probably losses. And while it's admirable to 
that you're playing teams like TCU in the non-con, I, I do think if you're a team like Cal who's trying to make a bowl game and get those 15 extra practices in every year, if I was you, I would probably be filling my non-conference schedule every year with with three cupcakes. And that's maybe not the best way to look at things, and that's that's probably copping out a bit, but that's kind of the system we live under in college football. And so, yeah, don't don't love the schedule for them. I think we're both on the under, so, yeah. Next we have Washington State. There's Their line is set at 5.5. Also, another team that just played four games last year, Nick Rolovich was a first-year coach last year, coming from Hawaii, one and three a year ago. Hard to glean anything from that. Um, obviously, they lost Mike Leach, their longtime coach. It was thought that Nick Rolovich would be a pretty good, seamless fit there, um, be, just because of the offensive system. Jaden Delora returns as quarterback, but they do have Jared Guarantano, the Tennessee transfer. So. Who knows who will actually win that job? Their defense was pretty bad last year. That's a holdover from Mike Leach, of course. Yeah, this is just a really hard team to figure out. I'm on the under until I actually see something from them, just because it is a tough job. It's a tough place to win. Mike Leach probably maxed them out, um, and he was not winning eight and nine games very often. Like so, yeah. I I don't I don't hate Nick Rolovich. I think he's actually probably a pretty decent coach, but it's very unproven at this point. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot of, um, with what you said. The, the under for me is the play here um, at five and a half. Um, yeah, like the under, uh, again, fairly, we mentioned, we mentioned again how tough and deep the, the, um, the Pac-12 is. They could play up to five ranked Pac-12 teams um, in, in just their regular season. So, yeah, uh, the... the it, they do need some more cupcakes. <laughs> It'd be nice if in the in years past, say say this is three or four years ago, you would you would actually like them to go over there. Um, you don't feel that the depth would have been there um, in the Pac-12. To I just I, I don't see six wins on the schedule for him here. Um, Rolovich, um, yeah, to your point, very good coach. Um, he's young, he's inexperienced, but the there there is. He, he's not going to be able to get back to where Leach was, I don't think. I think for, for Washington State, five, five or six wins is a good year. Um, mm. They're trying to, yeah, resurrect the ghost of Jarrett Gar Garantano, uh, who just will not stop playing football. Sadly. Um, he's, I, I looked up his age today. He's almost 24. He is 23. He is closing in on 24, I believe. So, um, yeah, older gentleman. He is uh, considerably, considerably older than, uh, than, than the quarterback that he's competing against. But he probably will win the job. He probably will be the starting quarterback. He's probably going to, to have some boneheaded fumbles again um, when trying to reach over the goal line to try to score touchdowns. He will probably lose the ball. Um, but, and then have it returned 99 yards for a touchdown. Um, that's happened a few times at Tennessee. But, yeah, the, the unders the play here, um, this one is one that I would be betting money on. Yeah, the, and you mentioned the schedule. Somehow they managed to play USC, Utah, and Arizona State from the south. Like, man, that's just a really tough draw. So it's not even necessarily that I hate this team. It's just I don't know what they are, and they have a very tough conference schedule. I'm on the under until proven otherwise. All right, next we have Colorado, who somehow went 4-2 and two last year. 
Um, all the advanced statistics suggested they were actually a worse team than that, but they did go for and to give that to them. I don't know how to feel about this team. There's some talent there. Their running back, Jarek Broussard, was the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year last year, 149 yards per game or something. like. So good at running back. They, they did lose their receiver, Katie Nixon, to USC, but they still have other talented receivers. Dimitri Stanley's pretty good. Levante Chenault, I believe, is the brother of LaVisca Chenault, who was a star there. And then Brendan Rice, Jerry's son who I believe had three touchdowns in nine touches last season. So, <laughs> hey, maybe there's something there. Um, their linebacker, Nate Landman, is one of the best in the conference. And they also picked up a number of transfers that have talent from bigger bigger name schools. Oklahoma, um, their linebacker, Robert Barnes, is there. Notre Dame's former top 100 linebacker, Jack Lamb, transferred to Colorado as well. And then also a defensive end, Blaine Toll from Arkansas. So I, I don't hate this team. I kind of hate the schedule, though. We've talked about this with a couple of mid, middle-of-the-road teams here, Texas A&M and Minnesota in the non-conference. Um, that's tough, man. That's, that's just really tough if you're at a, at a school like this where you're trying to just make a bowl game and then you have to play teams like that in the non-con. That's tough. Carl Durrell was kind of a head-scratching hire a year ago. Had a big year as a, as a first-year coach. It feels like this year will actually kind of tell us the true story. It, is this going to be a, a thing where he continues to overperform, or, or is Colorado going to slip back to kind of what they were before? So this one's a tough one for me. Um, you mentioned kind of a no-name hire. We didn't know really much about him. Mel Tucker was there before and left to go to Michigan State. Um, when that happened, and it was, yeah, kind of a, just a state of limbo almost, and then they went four and one in the regular season last year. They did get blown out by Texas in, in the Alamo Bowl, but they it, they, they were they finished second in the um, they finished second in their division, and it was like like what the, we we weren't expecting this. Um, no, I've, I've yeah, this one here has been tough for me. Uh, you mentioned the non-con again with with A and M in Minnesota. Both of those are are extremely tough tough non-con games. I have them going over. I have them sneaking out an upset. Um, and, and I have, yeah, I am beating um, UCLA, um, Oregon State, Cal, Arizona. And then I have them sneaking one out between Utah or Washington. Um, I think I'm going to go with Washington as, as, as their other win there. Um, so I, I do have them getting to five wins. I think it wasn't a total fluke what happened last year. Um, five wins is a good year for Colorado. This year, five wins. You take that all day long, and that because their schedule is just brutal. They they could play up to seven bowl bowl eligible teams, possibly eight. Um, that is ridiculous. That is what that's that's the type of and that kind of goes to our Pac-12 point. That's kind of what you see in the SEC. That's what you're used to seeing in like even like a like an upper echelon Big Ten team just consistently playing bowl bowl teams. Mm -hmm. um, and and that to see that in the Pac-12. We hadn't seen that in the Pac-12 in years past. Um, this has been a resurgence, uh, I think, for me in the Pac-12. And um, just maybe just a question, where in your mind is the Pac-12? Just just a, a quick answer. Where, where do they rank this year as far as overall conference strength? They're not going to be the SEC, maybe not even the Big Ten. But after that, they it feels like they could go up against anyone. Yeah, their top five, I would put up against most conferences' top five. 
uh, top fives. Um, I would say they're probably going to be better than the Big 12 just overall this year. Um, but they're, again, along with the, the top five, there are some teams here at the bottom that it does feel like it's not amazing at the bottom. But again, like if if Colorado is is one of your four worst teams or whatever, that's not bad. I mean, like that's not a bad. They're a pretty good conference. I feel like they've kind of been a laughing stock for a while, and I'm not sure that's fair. They haven't had just like an elite team. Colorado feels like they're becoming that. USC might be knocking on the door of that again. So I do think they kind of need one of those teams to actually break through and be a legitimate top five team to get the actual respect that they that they are looking for. Yeah, this is this is a good conference. Uh, yeah, I, I'd probably rank them ahead of the Big Twelve. Although even that, even the Big Twelve is not bad. Uh, I don't know. I'm waffling here. I it's a decent conference, uh, th- and and ahead of the ACC, I would say for sure. So it, it might be the third best conference in football this year. What about you? Yeah, kind of the same thing. Um, I I they're not they're not Big Ten quality. For me, so I would I would probably say third this year, just top to bottom. But I mean, to your point, if if Colorado is going to projected to finish fourth in your conference, and they went four and two last year and made an Alamo Bowl, um, that includes their loss in the Alamo Bowl, um, their four and two record. So that's that's really good. Like Stanford is a, is a team who, granted, they're they're terrible now, they're absolutely awful. But not long ago, they were really really good and made Rose Bowls. Um, and, and you had, had coaches and had players that, that you rec- like they had name recognition. They were a national power there for a couple of years. Um, and they're, they're going to possibly finish last or second to last this year, um, in the, in the PAC 12. So yeah, no, for me, I think the PAC 12, it's a resurgence. We'll call it a resurgence. They're not going to, to be competing, um, for the top with the top conferences, unless they have a title contender and they don't yet. Um, you, you said Oregon or USC could possibly become that this year. Um, I think they, I think they really easily could become that um, within either this year, or maybe the next. So once that happens, it'll be a different, a different topic. And I think they'll get more respect nationally after that. Yeah, for sure. And then of course, as it relates to Colorado, you you said you're on the over. This feels like a decent team to me. For me, though, I, it just kind of came down to the non-conference schedule. I, I am slightly on the under. I think they'll probably go four and eight, and they'll probably be a pretty good four and eight team, if that makes any sense. Everyone likes to say, you know, they're the best four and eight team in the country, or whatever. They might be this year. So I don't have them going over. I have them. On, I'm on the under, but I, I don't think this is a bad team by any stretch. Next, we have Oregon State. Their line is also at 4.5. Jonathan Smith has done some decent things there as their head coach, of course, beating Oregon last year. That was huge. The quarterback, Tristan Jebbia, is back. Last year, they went 2-2 two and two with him and then 0-3 oh without him after he got hurt. They did lose their running back, Jamar Jefferson, to the NFL, so that hurts. But but there's talent there. There's still, there's still other talent, especially at receiver. They have Trayvon Bradford coming back, who was pretty good. And then some some uh, transfers who from big name programs, Trayshawn Harrison from Florida State and Micaiah Tung, the former four star recruit from Georgia. You probably know more about him than I do. So there's talent there. Their their entire offensive line returns. The defense was still pretty bad last year, as Oregon State usually is, but but did seem like it had improved somewhat from what they used to be. I don't I don't hate this team. I don't love them. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I do like him. And hey, props to you for knowing the coach of Oregon State, Jonathan Smith. 
uh, is his name. The Oregon State is probably the most um, overlooked team in the country. They're probably the boringest team in the country. No one really knows where Corvallis is. You know, um, they've, they've been an afterthought for so long. But no, I think they're on the way back. Um, this isn't over for me. I think, like I, I mentioned earlier in the pod, I think I have them upsetting um, a, um, a couple of teams, actually, and getting two five wins. So um, kind of, yeah, just to kind of go through, through their roster and Tristan Jibia, um, Jebia, Jebia, however yep. you, Jebia, however you choose to pronounce it, um, is probably going to be the starter. He's actually still currently in a, a quarterback battle with Sam Neuer, although it is assumed uh, that Jebia will be the guy. Um, you mentioned um, the loss, the, um, the loss of the kind of their star running back um, is going to be gone. The, um, two, two guys that will be replacing him, Deshaun Fenwick, uh, B.J. Baylor, kind of um, the replacements for him. Micaiah Tung, you mentioned Micaiah Tung, the former four-star from Georgia, just transferred there this past year. Um, very talented kid, wasn't going to get any any playing time at Georgia, but in an Oregon State, at Oregon State, he is a very much a kid that, to look out for and just to, just to pop. So, um, yeah, all things going with, with – if things go right for them, Jonathan Smith, they had the huge win, massive win last year against Oregon. That was – I mean, that just – shatters the whole their whole that's the, probably their biggest win in a decade um for 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 Oregon State so yeah I, I like the Beavers this year yeah I'm with you on the over and yeah I, I watched most of that Oregon game last year as it was happening and, it, and man I just kind of fell in love with Tristan Jebbia a little bit um showed a lot of moxie you know things that you can't actually quantify the the ever elusive it factor um, and, and I don't know how much to actually read into that. That that may have been a one-game, you know, flash of lightning. Um, but I do like this team. And, yeah, there, there's some talent there. This this line might come down to the Purdue game, the non-conference. Um, and I, I, I like Oregon State. I'm, I'm on the over. like what they're doing. Um, yeah, I think it would be kind of exciting to have a decent Oregon State team again. I, I do remember back when they had the Rogers brothers back in the day, um, and they were never like an awesome team, but they they were always a team that could scare somebody with just explosive offense and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I think it's kind of cool to to see Oregon State be a decent little team, and it was it was fun to see them beat Oregon last year. I like the over for sure. Any more thoughts on Oregon State? Not really. Just yeah big fan kind of of the program they're, they're kind of the team that like as you're doing your research and you kind of go through the Pac-12 they're the, they're the hidden gem of the Pac-12 uh, I think we found it there uh but yeah Jonathan Smith um fan of what he's doing there um hope hope I really they're a team I'm rooting for how about that they're a team we're rooting for you watch yeah like you I watched the Oregon game um and yeah you watch Jebbia he throws like four slants in a row and it's like like and then it was like yeah okay this little he's i don't know he might he might be six one maybe short little quarterback out there just winging it very much has the it factor easy team to like easy team to root for um yeah it would love to see him succeed and i think they will this year yeah all right next we have stanford their line is set at four wins Somehow they went four and two last year kind of like colorado another head scratching record sort of i'm not sure if they were actually that good and they did lose Davis Mills, a quarterback, but there's other talent there. Jack West and Tanner McKee were both highly ranked quarterbacks. Obviously, the recruiting has not been great recently, especially in comparison to what they were maybe 10 years ago. But but it's been they still have at least those talented quarterbacks. So I think it, it's it's kind of an interesting experiment to see how far a, 
a talented quarterback can take a team that is that is not as talented um, from yeah end to end just around him. Austin Jones is a solid running back. The receiving core is very subpar. I would say it was not very good last year. Don't expect to be very good. The offensive line, I know they they believe they have a good offensive line this upcoming season. It, it feels like it's not what it used to be. Um, and there's some names. Walter Rouse was is a good player. And there's there's some guys like that. I don't know if it's as good though from you're, it's nice when you have seven good offensive linemen. I'm not sure Stanford has seven good offensive linemen. I'm not sure they have five. If you look at their defense, Thomas Booker is a star, really good defensive end. But again, it feels like there's just not the talent level on their defense from they don't they don't have a great two deep. Like it, it feels like this is one of those teams where there's there's decent players, you know, here here and there, and you know there's there's a couple guys to build around. But then there's also a lot of holes, and it, it feels like that's kind of been the biggest problem with them recently is they've just – they've allowed their roster to develop holes. Um, don't love what Stanford is doing. Five years ago, um, David Shaw was on everyone's top ten list for head coaches and, and even like a potential NFL guy. Maybe he would work out great at, on an NFL team where he didn't have to recruit – don't love the direction of this program. Do you think they'll go over four wins here? I don't think there's any chance. Um, I, I think this is going to be a diff, uh, pretty, fairly difficult year. They have a difficult um, non-con. Um, yes. When you look at that. They play. They they um, they have Notre Dame. They also have a, a sneaky game. Uh, really, really two sneaky games. Uh, Kansas State. Me and you both like Kansas State. We mentioned that in our Big Twelve pod. I have that as a um, as a as a loss for Stanford. And then they play Vanderbilt. Um, where the loser just goes directly to the Ivy League, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, I I don't see any way they get to four. Um, and and um, to your point about David Shaw, the I, I was a a huge Stanford guy. I really thought Stanford was, especially three or four years ago, that was they and they okay. Make no mistake, they were talented then. Um, they have lost that talent. There has been a clear just erosion. I guess you could call it just the overall erosion of the, of the football program there. Um, and over the course of the last couple of years, they're not recruiting nearly like they were. Um, they don't, they, they just don't have the guys anymore. They're, they no longer have um, yet yeah, just the, the, you mentioned the offensive line. That was their strong point for years. Um, even running back, you even just a couple of years ago, they had um, with Bryce Love there, um, a Heisman finalist um, at running back. And it, they just don't have guys like that anymore. There's, there's, they're not there anymore. Um, so it's sad to see. Um, I think this is going to be a, a, a pretty bad year. I don't see them winning many games at all. I don't see any way they, they get over four. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the under, I think three wins is far more likely than five. Um, yeah. hate, hate to say it because it was a, I think they were the team that was maybe bitten the hardest by some of the, the changing recruiting dynamics um, on the West coast. Uh, Oregon was, I mean, or Oregon has, has kind of recovered from it. I'd, I'd say a bit, Oregon was hit hard. They kind of have recovered some from it. Um, they're, they're, Stanford has not recovered from it. They went from recruiting con, um, consistent top 15 classes, sometimes even in the top 10 class to right now they're, they're not even competing anymore. So um, it's been a, yeah, it's, it's going to be, I think a fairly rough year for David Shaw. Yeah. And you mentioned some of the recruiting things it, it was even when National Signing Day moved from February to and adding the, the early signing period in December, 
it's hard even for Stanford to have players like actually admitted to the school um, by that point of the season. Um, a lot of the times their admissions department is a little later on that. And, and it's, it's understandable. It's Stanford. It's an, it's an absolute elite academic institution. Um, and then things like early enrollees. The, I want to say I heard somewhere that they might have their first early enrollees this year. I, I don't know if that's actually true, um, but that's just case in point. That's that's not a that's not a thing that they have evolved with as far as the rest of the country has really put a, a big emphasis on that. Um, and some schools, almost half of their recruiting class comes in in January instead of in July. Um, and that's kind of a big deal. It, it's a big deal when you get all those guys in earlier. So just the re different recruiting dynamics has hurt Stanford. You mentioned the tough non-con. Um, yeah. And, and I'll just read over some of their, some of their wins last year. They did be their, their four wins, Cal, Washington, Oregon state, and UCLA. So those are all teams that feel like they're kind of in the middle of the, of the PAC 12 and they beat them last year. So I'm not extremely down on this team just based on like David Shaw is, I think, still a, a good coach. Feels like they're, yeah, I don't know how much faith to have in them. I wish this line was at either 4.5 or 3.5, which would help me decide. I think four is a good line. Man, I, I waffle on this one. Let me, let me look through their schedule. Kansas State, toss up at best. I do think they will beat Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, I I think they've made a pretty good hire in Clark Lee, but you know who who knows how long it could take them to actually figure that out and become a, a good program. Then they, you know they have Oregon, Arizona State, and it does feel like Stanford is known for upsetting teams like that occasionally. Washington, Utah, um, and then Notre Dame. So there are some definite losses on that schedule, and. They don't get Arizona, the one Pac-12 team everyone is going to beat this year. Um, so it's a tough schedule. I, I think I'm leaning under with you. It was tough for me to decide that. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go on the under. Not super confident in it. This is one where – this is probably not one where I would definitely uh, run and actually bet real money on this game. Any more thoughts on Stanford? Um, no, not – yeah, it's. I think overall, it's, it's it's just sad to see for me. Um, it's 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 tough to see that happen. You, I, and this kind of maybe even goes back to our conference realignment. Uh, my even my whole stance on on realignment as a whole is that that we want, yeah, college football to be a national product and not regional. Um, and just having West Coast powers that recruit well, there's there's not many. And Stanford was one of those. They were one of a few out west that recruited with. The, the big schools back east, and they recruit right there with them, and they're not anymore. Um, and that's sad to see. Yeah. All right, we're down to our last team in the Pac-12. Um, I think a pretty clear number 12 in the Pac-12, Arizona. They're over-under set at 2.5 wins. Last year they were 0-5, and, and it was not a pretty 0-5. They finished last in the Pac-12 in both scoring offense and defense. Of course, the 70-7 to loss to their rival Arizona State. Just feels like when, when something like that happens, that's a clear sign that players are not bought in. Um, and they hired Jed Fish this offseason, who everyone immediately reacted to by going, who? Um, and I don't know if I like it. He, he 
he did seem to have like a pretty good offseason. He hired Don Brown, defensive coordinator, who he kind of flamed out a bit at Michigan. But again, it's Don Brown. He has a, he has a history of, of success. He was very good at Boston College back in the day. So for Arizona, I think that was as good of a hire as they could have hoped to make. I, there's not a whole lot you can glean, I think, from looking at the roster. I guess it's really more just about is this team like going to wake up? Like, I don't know. What what do you think about this Arizona team? Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a rough year. I don't I don't see them getting to three wins. Uh, they are going to probably be the doormat of the of the Big Twelve. Jed Fish, Don Brown. You mentioned kind of the the two names that they brought in. Jed Fish wasn't as not as not as big of a name as Don Brown was actually, but um, Don Brown is a really good hire though. For Arizona, are you kidding me? He was he's a guy that even at Michigan, and and granted, it did go south for him at Michigan, but you're Arizona. Like you're not you are nowhere near that. Like you'd just be you'd be glad to have him as a head coach. Um and to have him as a D coordinator, um, I think it's just, it's a good hire for especially for a doormat program. Um no, it's I yeah, I think I think it's gonna be a, a fairly rough year. Uh, hopefully they can get a little bit of buyback in. You might be able to see something maybe similar to what happened at Arkansas last year where they brought in Sam Pittman. Everyone was like, who's this? But somehow he connected with the players and they they way overachieved last year and won games and were competitive. They were competitive, whereas this Arizona team last year was not. So maybe we see something like that happen and where, where they just kind of everyone's everyone doubts them and, and a new coaching staff kind of comes in, kind of pulls everyone together and kind of circles the wagons. And, and just they're just they play competitive football. Um, they, Arizona doesn't have to win any games to, to have a good season. They just need to be close because you mentioned some of the blowouts they had last year. It was very bad. So as yeah, if you just you you play good defense, um, you 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 play physical, and and you just you you keep games competitive and close. That's all I think. That's all Arizona fans are really looking for. Yeah, it it's definitely a very low floor, and it feels like if he can just raise the floor to where. They're not a laughing stock. They're just the bad team on everyone's schedule, as opposed to just an absolute laughing stock. Their their non-conference games are BYU, San Diego State, and and Northern Arizona. And I think they're going to have to win all three to hit this line. I don't think they're going to win any conference games. Looking at their schedule, the best chances probably Washington State, Colorado maybe a Cal or, or UCLA, uh, but those are all games where I would definitely view Arizona as, as a major underdog. So to me, this comes down to, they'll, they'll probably beat Northern Arizona, I would imagine, but then you have BYU and San Diego State, and I just don't see them winning both. So I'm on the under as well. I, maybe this will work out. Maybe this hire will work out. This feels like a year zero situation to me. It does. I I think I think more more than anything, I think they're just looking for for some competition. They're just looking for guys to fight a little bit and maybe just kind of restocking the cupboard there because I think it's very bare right now. Yeah, and that's I think that's maybe where the Arkansas comparison might fall apart a little bit. And it, it was it was an apt comparison in some ways, but but I do think that Arkansas at least had a you know a top thirty talent level to play with. And I, I'm just not sure that that's a reality at Arizona. Um, so we'll see what they can do. Hopefully, hopefully it works out for them. 
Um, if nothing else, the, all the players will get lots of exercise and sunshine this year. So that's good. Um, uh, so that's the Pac-12. You've mentioned already you have Oregon and USC in the championship game. Um, I, I'm the same. I also think those those will be the two teams in the Pac-12 championship game. I have Oregon winning that then. Not, not a slam dunk. I do think this could be USC's year to figure things out. So, But I, I do trust the coaching staff a little more at Oregon. Is that your pick as well? I, I mentioned earlier that I did have Oregon winning. Um, okay. I will say that that I that is close for me. That mm -hmm. is very very close for me. Um, I think I think that could possibly, in a best case scenario, that's a play-in game for the playoff. Mm -hmm. um, there there is a possibility of that happening. It's not high, but there's a slight chance that that's that's just a play-in game. So the yeah no I think that's going to be a a fascinating game. Um, yeah. Would have Oregon slight advantage right now. That's apt to change. Yeah, and it, it does maybe play against them a little bit. There are also three other pretty good teams in this conference. So if you're the Pac-12, you're really, really hoping that Oregon and USC find a way to go 11-1 at least in the regular season, and then that, that Pac-12 championship game will actually mean something and get the winner into the conversation. Um, so I guess just gun to your head, prediction time. Do you think the Pac-12 will finally get back to the playoff this year? No, no chance. Um, they're, they're, okay, sorry, slight chance. They have a small possibility, but we've mentioned this, I think, in every pod. We view there's five really good teams in college football, and then there's a gap. Um, and unfortunately, both Oregon and USC are on the, the bottom side of that gap. So um, I think your, your four teams this year will come from some, some, yeah, some different concoction of those five, but um, I think all four will be from the AP, the preseason top five, which, um, yeah, is the two SEC schools, uh, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. Yeah, and even if Oregon and USC are able to, to go undefeated against the other three good teams, Washington, Arizona State, Utah, which is not likely, I mean, then you still have Oregon. Oregon plays Ohio State, USC plays Notre Dame, and those games feel like they could kind of push the Pac-12 to the bottom of the, of the line again. Even if they are actually the third best conference in the league, they, they might end up fifth in in, in uh, playoff positioning. So I, I'm also saying no on that. But again, like there's a chance. Like there's a chance this year. There's some good teams at the top there. So that's our Pac-12 preview. Next, um, we want to go over the trivia question. So why don't you recap last week's trivia question and then share your new one. Yeah, so last week the question was uh, who, what program has had the longest winning streak in college football history? Um, the correct answer there was Oklahoma. Um, I actually think we, we gave a, a multiple choice uh, with that one, but we had, we had um, a, a lot of correct answers. Um, yeah, proud of you guys for, for coming up clutch with that. Pretty sure a few of them Googled, um, but yeah, uh, either way, props to you guys, especially if you knew it without looking it up. Um, this, this week, the question is, and this is, we're throwing it back a little bit. So it's this, the, the question is who was the name, what was the name of the Kansas state quarterback who led them to, was it an 11 and one record? Were they 11 and one? I think so. I think so this is, this the, is season. the season was 2012. Yes. In, in 20, yeah, in 2012, what was the name of the Kansas State quarterback that nearly led them to a national championship game? Very, very close. Um, he was a had a lot of Heisman hype. We'll just throw that one out there. That'll be a little hint. 
I'm not going to go a multiple choice, um, so just comment with this one. Um, be a little bit more difficult. Uh, we'll put this out on the Insta poll um, or on the Insta story. It won't be a poll. We'll just put it on the Insta story. And um, yeah, hit us back. We'd, we'd love to hear your feedback. And you guys have been uh, really good at it so far. So thanks. Yeah, and bonus points for knowing his cool nickname. So <laughs> just the plug on that one. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up for our episode today. Thank you guys so much for everything you've been doing. We, we see you guys, um, lots of comments recently on some YouTube videos and stuff. And so, yeah, just a shout out, like, and subscribe YouTube. And then of course, whatever um, podcast platform you enjoy. And then tell your friends, tell your friends. I feel like word of mouth is still the best way to get other people to buy in um, because you are more likely to listen to something or buy a product. If your friend tells you you should as opposed to seeing an ad so we just really appreciate any any word of mouth um going around out there so if you know any college football fans that that are just interested in, in college football as a whole and what's going on this is the one they will relate to the most so tell them about this podcast so once again i'm vince miller that's ashton overhaul for all you guys have a great day great week and god bless